Friday, December 20th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 16 FanDuel Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the Lineup Builder tool on DraftSharks.com, and you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. On DraftSharks, you can read all of Kevin's top picks for playing on FanDuel this weekend. I will add some showdown notes of my own over the weekend for the Sunday night, Monday night games. Also on DraftSharks.com, you'll be able to check the free post for this podcast. Come Saturday morning, you see who Jared and I are playing against each other in round 16 of the Shark Duel. And Jared, I finally locked up the season-long victory with my ninth weekly win last time out. My secret, of course, was reverse jinxing you by praising your lineup on Twitter over the weekend. Uh, yeah, the Dalvin Cook injury obviously hurt me, um, you know, especially after Mike Boone comes and scores two touchdowns after that. You also had Chris Godwin, who missed some time. I, to me, the difference was Ryan Tannehill outscoring Dak Prescott. You know, I was I was big on Prescott last week. Ended up being a disappointment. Um, you know, during the game, I thought the issue was that the Rams' offense just didn't show up, and game script kind of went against Dak. But then, you know, then we learned that he hurt his throwing shoulder in the first quarter. So I think that played a big part in it too. So I, I don't think Prescott was a bad play; just didn't work out for me. I agree. He was tearing it up in the first half. I was kind of conceding the game in my own mind, and I doubt he played the entire game. I doubt that he would have finished that game with 23 pass attempts if that shoulder had been healthy. Yeah, probably not. Again, I, I you know the the Rams just sort of no showing hurt too. Um, you know, even a healthy Dak, I don't think would have had to do much more than he did in the second half. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I was very happy with my lineup. Um, it was a, a couple of solid lineups squaring off. My worst mm-hmm. play ended up being the 49ers defense against the Falcons. And really, that's one I would play again. It just didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll both be back at it for these final two weeks. We will show you who we're playing against each other in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com come Saturday morning. Hey, and this time, Saturday will not be the 13th birthday of my oldest child. So I should actually have more time to get this done in the morning, like I always say I'm going to do. Before we get to setting those lineups, though, we've got a three-game Saturday slate to hit this weekend. And and Jared, a lot of my best lineups have come on short slates, and I I really think it's for two key reasons. One, it kind of forces you to just roll with your best lineup, not worry about ownership rate, not getting too cute because there really are, are a limited number of players available and you just can't overthink it, which I absolutely do. And number two... It can often, because of that short slate, it can often come down to hitting on just that one or two sneaky picks, whether it's fading the proper guy or finding the one sleeper that goes off for you. Right. That's what I like about these shorter slates is you have to dig deeper on each team to find, you know, some of the lower level guys that you wouldn't need to consider when you have, you know, 20 teams, 26 teams playing. Um, But when it's only six teams, you know, you do have to sort of dig further down the depth chart for some guys. Yeah. Uh, Saturday's games, Texans at Buccaneers, Bills at Patriots, Rams at 49ers. We're all obviously going to be looking primarily at Texans Bucks for offense, especially the quarterbacks. To me, the clearest move on the day here is to fade 
Brashad Perriman. I, it looks like DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to be the only wide receiver with a higher owned rate. Yep, I agree. I think Perriman's the fade. I think if you still want a piece of the Bucks passing game, you can go to Justin Watson, who's much cheaper. I think is going to be on the field just as much as Perriman. You know, is close to, if not, you know, a similar target bet. Then OJ Howard is one of my favorite plays on the slate, really at any position, just the price he's at. And really at tight end, you know, there, there's not much to consider outside of OJ Howard, George Kittle, obviously. And then to me, Tyler Higby is a fade considering the matchup mm-hmm. and the fact that Gerald Everett's going to be back this week. I agree. I mean, and, and if you're like, but you mean Perriman, the guy who scored three touchdowns last week? Yeah, he also has seven other touchdowns for his career so far. Last week was his first ever game of 90 plus receiving yards, and there weren't many more close to 90 either. And he's in his fourth NFL season with three teams. So there's a lot more evidence of Perriman not being that good than there is of him being good. Plus, FanDuel made it easier to fade him by uh, pricing him up to $7,400 this week. He's $200 more expensive than Robert Woods. I mean, according to Fanshare, his popularity is still going to be there. So mm-hmm. it makes it even easier for me to to switch over to not only Justin Watson, but I think Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, also more attractive in that game. Yeah, Fuller is definitely my favorite tournament play. And, you know, we know he's boom bust. That's why you play him in tournaments, though. Um, you know, Bucks, the league's worst wide receiver defense. The Bucks have also allowed the second most completions of 40 plus yards this season. So they're, they're giving up big plays. And, you know, that's obviously what Fuller does best. A sneakier guy, I think, in a different game for upside, Debo Samuel against the Rams. The The Rams will go without Troy Hill, one of their starting corners, because of his thumb fracture last week, had surgery this week, is not going to play. That will put Darius Williams, a second-year undrafted free agent, in primary coverage on Samuel. First of all, Williams is five foot nine, 187, and he's facing Debo, who is a big dude. Uh, and, and a powerful dude. Williams has played all of 107 snaps this year. And according to Pro Football Focus, he has allowed eight of the nine targets in his coverage to be completed, 15.9 yards per reception, and a 155.8 passer rating in coverage. Yeah, I like the call. Um, I, I'm not convinced that Jalen Ramsey is going to shadow Emmanuel Sanders, though. So I, I think Sanders is in play, too. Um, you know, Debo's a couple hundred bucks cheaper, so I guess I'd lean that way. But I think getting some expo- some exposure to both of those Niners wide receivers makes sense. Yeah, it certainly makes sense if you're setting multiple lineups there. Anything else before we move to the Sunday slate? No, I mean, I, I think running back is the toughest spot just because it's so crappy. I mean, Todd Gurley and Devin Singletary are the only guys we can really count on for volume. And they're facing the top two defenses in FanDuel points allowed to running backs. To me, Singletary still pops as the best dollars per point value. I, I do like him. You know, I think we can count on 15 plus touches. New England more susceptible to the run than the past. We just saw them give up that big game to Joe Mixon. So I like Devin Singletary. And I think Ronald Jones is interesting too. And I know he's a guy on a full slate I would not play. But when there's mm-hmm. so few options, you know, I think it's possible Jones sees more action in the passing game. I mean, you know, he, he does have that eight catch game on his resume this season. So, you know, we know we can do it. Um, and then Houston's allowed 4.7 yards per carry to running backs over the last five weeks now. So there, there's some upside to Jones on the ground too, um, you know, if he can, you know, get the ball. And even if his workload stays disappointing, if he gets 12 carries and scores a touchdown on one of them, that could be a good day for this short slate, whereas that's the kind of day that can just get lost on a full slate. Yep, exactly. All right, now, are you done with the Saturday slate? Can we move on to Sunday? Let's do it. All right, a quarterback for cash. I want to play Russell Wilson at 8300 bucks. He's second in our FanDuel dollars per point rankings, and he's a $1,000 savings. 
in salary from Lamar Jackson, who was number one in that category. And really, at no loss of upside. I mean, I guess you could argue that nobody has more upside than Lamar Jackson, but if anybody's in this category, it's Russell Wilson. Arizona is the top scoring matchup for quarterbacks by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Wilson actually has the second lowest score of the season against the Cards so far among all quarterbacks with only Devlin Hodges coming in shorter. But the Seahawks scored 27 points in that game. So it was just that the Seahawks didn't decide to let Russell Wilson do it there. Um, not only is is he fine for cash, I think, Russell Wilson, as long as he makes sense fitting into what else you're doing with that salary. But I think he makes sense for GPPs as well because he's currently projected for just single-digit ownership, presents multiple stacking options, and really a, a pretty concentrated pass offense. And the Arizona defense does sit middle of the league in run D, so it's feasible that they can slow down Chris Carson in this game. Yeah, to me, Wilson is more of a tournament play. I don't feel good enough about his floor at that price to use him in cash. If I'm going to go up there, I'd rather just pay the thousand dollars more for Lamar Jackson. I just feel so much better about his floors. To me, it's either Lamar Jackson for cash games, or you just go down to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, you know, has just been really good now since he took back over as Miami starter has the plus matchup at home against the Bengals. Are you not scared of the rain? Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on that. Yeah, we should, we should mention that, that, you know, and we're still what 48 hours out from that game. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going all in on any weather stuff at this point, but yeah, there is a chance of rain and wind in Miami. So if that's the case, I think you'd want to get off Fitzpatrick, at least for cash games. Yeah. If the forecast clears up, I agree with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If it does not, and if it's a rainy, potentially windy day, uh, I'm scared of going that direction. Yep. Agreed. On the tournament side, I think there are plenty of options. I would probably fade Ryan Tannehill this week at what looks like it'll be the highest owned rate at the position. I mean, New Orleans is, is certainly not a shutdown defense, but there is the chance that they have a good game and Ryan Tannehill doesn't go off. And with so many other options, I think it makes sense to go in a different direction. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to have Tannehill this week. I, I do respect that Saints defense. Um, I like Matt Ryan for tournaments at home, in the Dome. Don't have to worry about weather. It's this Jags defense, and we know they're awful against the run, but they've been pretty bad against the pass, too, lately. Um, they've given up the 10th most fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last five weeks, despite facing the third fewest pass attempts. Jacksonville's allowed 9.3 yards per attempt, eight passing touchdowns over the last five weeks. And the Falcons have a 27-point implied total, third highest on the week. So, you know, Vegas is expecting a bunch of points here. I think Ryan has a pretty high ceiling in this matchup. I don't know if you heard, though, Jared, after they fired Tom Coughlin, they reset all the clocks to actual time. But I think that dramatically increases the chances of the Jaguars showing up for this game. It might. I like Daniel Jones for a tournament lineup at $7,300. First of all, he's shown us the ceiling. He has three top three finishes at the position this season, all of those above 30 fantasy points. Washington's past five games have included top six finishes for Carson Wentz, Kyle Allen, and Sam Darnold, two of those coming in Washington. And this Washington defense, even though it's been better over the second half, it's dealing with big-time injury issues at at cornerback. Quentin Dunbar is looking iffy for the game. He missed Thursday practice after a limited Wednesday, was out last week. Fabian Moreau looks like he's unlikely to play. He started out as their slot corner and has moved outside recently to take over for Josh Norman. Jimmy Moreland, who stepped in at the slot, for Fabian Moreau, has recently hit IR. So I don't even know yet who's going to be playing cornerback for Washington this week. And I know that the group collectively is not going to be all that good. Giants receivers, meanwhile, are pretty good at this point. I think they present, you can stack any one or two of them with Daniel Jones. You have Saquon Barkley as a stacking option if you want to go that way. And if you need to save some money, 
I think Caden Smith as a cheap tight end, if Red Ellison sits, is an option. And Red Ellison, if he plays, is also a cheap option. I like it. I wrote up Daniel Jones in my in my DraftKings article. He, he's just been the prototypical tournament play this season. You know, most of his games have been disappointing, but when when he's hit, you know, he he's been going over thirty Fanduel points. And they have officially announced that he's starting, so we don't have to guess, even right. though it seemed like it was going that way since he started with a full practice on Wednesday. Yep. Running back, what do you like for cash? I think Devontae Freeman is the clear top value for cash games at just 6200 bucks. I don't know what he's doing down at that price tag. 15.3 carries and 4.3 targets per game since returning from that foot injury um, over the past three weeks now. Gets this home game against the Jags. Again, the Falcons about touchdown favorites here. Big implied total. Jacksonville down to 31st in football outsiders run defense rankings have allowed 5.7 yards per carry through running backs over the last five weeks. You know, this is close to the matchup we saw Freeman in a couple weeks ago against the Panthers, and he he capitalized on that one, scored 17.4 FanDuel points. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the same matchup. And really, the he, the reason he's down there is because FanDuel doesn't price players up for matchups as much as uh, DraftKings does. And Devontae Freeman's had a mostly crappy season, so he hasn't done enough to pull himself back up. I, I think this is basically last week's Chris Carson. I mean, Devontae Freeman's not having nearly as good a year as Carson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Falcons are probably not as reliable as the Seahawks, but he's also 1100 bucks less, I think, in salary than Chris Carson was last week. So you factor all that in. I, I agree. It's a total... It's basically a lock here for cash lineups. Yeah, and I mean, Freeman does more in the passing game than Carson does too, so that helps. Mm-hmm. And I'd forget if you mentioned, but Atlanta's a heavy home favorite, seven and a half points. So it's likely that they lead this game and give Freeman plenty of touches. Yep. Tournament, what are you playing? Marlon Mack here, 7300 bucks. So you know, his price hasn't come down, which is, you know, I think going to scare people off him, which I like. And you look at what he's done in his two games back from injury, and you wouldn't want anything to do with him. He has just 57 total rushing yards in those games. Those games have come against the Bucks and the Saints, who are both top six in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Now Mac gets a home game for the Panthers who are dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, giving up uh, 5.7 yards per carry to running backs over the last five weeks now. And, you know, Mac has still handled 71% of the Colts running back carries in those, you know, past two weeks back from injury. So he's still the clear lead guy here. And with the Colts six and a half point favorites um you know it should be a better script for to for mac to you know maybe even approach 20 carries in this game yeah that's exactly what i have and all the same reasons i mean you mentioned the matchups the past two weeks there was the league best run defense from the bucks in a shootout type game and then last week not only is new orleans a negative matchup for runners it was a blowout loss where that didn't make sense to hand marlon mack the ball so i agree it's a great spot for him this week and it doesn't seem like there's going to be Nearly as much buzz as there would be for Marlon Mack for this matchup against Carolina if he had done really anything to excite us over the past couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. It really sets up as a perfect tournament option. Wide receiver for cash. I like Keenan Allen at $6,700. He's just $200 more than Mike Williams. A much safer bet for targets, though. He leads Mike Williams by three targets per game and three catches per game for the season. The matchup's good. Oakland's the eighth friendliest scoring matchup to wideouts for the year. Phillip Rivers played like garbage in the first meeting with the Raiders, and yet Allen still caught eight balls for 68 yards. He had 35% of the team's targets in that game, 33% of the receiving yards, nearly 50% of the receptions, 
And he and Mike Williams are actually both currently projected for less than 4% ownership. You know, we'll see what those say as we get into the weekend. I think that they're coming up, but that also tells me they're not getting into the double digit range where I think they probably belong. And I think both he and Mike Williams make sense as, as tournament plays. And you can kind of buy into the matchup here without having to bother paying for Phillip Rivers at quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess you're not, not super surprised that Mike Williams is lower owned, but Keenan Allen to me, I mean, to me, it's Keenan Allen and Tyler Boyd is the you know top two clear values at wide receiver. Tyler Boyd, 6,300 bucks, excellent volume bet and an excellent matchup for that price tag. Boyd's averaged 9.6 targets and 5.8 catches per game in Andy Dalton's 11 starts this season. Then he gets the Dolphins, who are 31st in FanDuel points allowed to wide receivers. On the tourney side, even if you don't want to play Donald Jones, I think Darius Slayton's a good option at $6,000. A nice mix of ceiling. He's Like Daniel Jones, he's shown us the ceiling with three games of two touchdowns already. And the price is not too high at $6,000, as I mentioned. Not likely headed for double-digit ownership. He's he's at a crowded position for his team. His quarterback's coming off an injury. And Darius Slayton didn't really deliver last week. He was lucky. If you played him, you were lucky to get a touchdown among his two catches for 31 yards on three mm-hmm. targets in what should have been a ceiling matchup against the Dolphins. But he's shown us enough of the upside for us to know it's there. And I, I don't know. I don't think the Giants are going to blow out this game. It's possible. But Washington's been playing it tough lately. So I don't think that we'll just see the Giants run away from this game and not have to throw the ball. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and I do like the Daniel Jones stacks. And I think you can run it back with Terry McLaurin, who's, who's my tournament player, 6,500 bucks. Dwayne Haskins has played better the last two weeks now. And, you know, for McLaurin, that's that's led to games of 13.7 and then 21.5 Fanduel points over the past two weeks. You know, st- still the clear lead guy here. Love this matchup against the Giants who, you know, let go of Janoris Jenkins, who was easily their top corner a week ago. So now the Giants are left with DeAndre Baker, Sam Beal, Corey Ballantyne as their top three corners. PFF has 133 cornerbacks in their coverage grades right now. The Giants' top three guys rank 123rd, 104th, and 131st. It's probably the worst secondary in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, I would have to go with that too. Over at tight end for cash, I'm looking at Jacob Hollister, 5,700 against the Cardinals, or Austin Hooper, 6,000 against the Jaguars. Really just depends on how much salary space I have left there. We all know the Arizona matchup at this point. You don't have to sell it. Hollister is likely to be highly owned, I think. We'll watch that into the weekend, but I think he's probably going to be, if not the most popular, then close to it. He's averaging four catches per game, though, even in that low-volume Seattle offense since he entered the lineup. So he's a fairly good bet for enough volume to capitalize on the matchup. If I do have the salary space left, though, I mean, Austin Hooper against the Jaguars is where I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, and it's more for tournaments, obviously, how the ownership's going to shake out between Hooper and Hollister. It does seem like, you know, they might be the two highest owned tight ends, but the fact that they're basically next to each other in salary, I think, should help keep both ownerships down a little bit if people are split between them. So I do like both of them as the cheaper options. I would still like to get up to Zach Ertz, though, who, you know, is only 6,900, so it's, you know, not... Not a ton more to get up to him. 10 plus targets in five of his last six games now for Earth. Just awesome volume and an awesome matchup here too. The Cowboys 29th in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. They're 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah, as you said, we'll have to watch those own rates, uh, particularly on Hooper. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in lower than Hollister. The past two weeks since his return, he has not put up big numbers, but 
It's the only two times all season he's been below four catches. Still saw six targets in those games. And the matchups were against the Saints and the 49ers, which have both been negative matchups for tight end scoring. The Jaguars are actually a negative matchup as well by adjusted fantasy points allowed. But according to Football Outsiders, the Jaguars rank 31st in tight end coverage. And I think that Atlanta is pretty well set up to try to leverage that. Yeah, I, I love Hooper. I was hoping he was going to come in lower on. I, th- I think a lot of people are on him, so I'm not sure we're going to get that. Uh, do you have anybody else to tight end? For tournaments, I like Hunter Henry at 6100 bucks, And you know he he's basically done nothing since coming off the bye week. He has just six catches on nine targets over his last uh, three games here since the bye week. But his playing time has remained fine. So I, I think it's more of just a, you know, a three week blip than anything. And Sunday is a good bounce back spot against the Raiders. They're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Over to flex Joe Mixon at 7,800 bucks is currently projected for single digit ownership. We'll see if that changes. I think part of that is he left Thursday's practice early with a calf issue. That's a situation to watch. He, I would worry less about the weather though, than I would about either passing game because they're not going away from the ground game. So Again, if the, if the calf's good, then I'm very interested in Joe Mixon against the Dolphins. Yeah, that ownership surprises me. Um, I, I guess he is priced up a little bit, which is probably probably suppressing that a bit. But Mixon returned to a full practice on Friday and isn't listed on the injury report. So it looks like the calf thing is fine. He, he's just been awesome for the past month now and obviously has one of the best running back matchups in the Dolphins. So definitely like Joe Mixon for cash and tournaments. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara to me is tempting mm-hmm. at 7200 bucks. It just feels cheap for him. I know... He's been disappointing. It's really just been the lack of touchdowns, and I still think that's going to sort of you know bounce back in his favor soon here. Yeah, to that end, he has had six carries and three receptions inside the 10-yard line over just the past five games, according to Pro Football Reference. As you mentioned, no touchdowns outside of that week three game. That's going to change. I mean, you know, maybe he goes over the next two weeks with still no touchdowns. More likely, though, he scores again at some point before this regular season ends, though. And really, the Saints have not been a pass-happy team on the road, especially over the past couple seasons. They have preferred to run the ball more when they can do so. The Titans have allowed the third most running back receptions for the season as well. They've been tougher in run D. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara is capable of beating a run defense. And, you know, even if he's just more involved as a receiver, we've got the the kind of stat floor there, too. Really, his volume has been fine, and even his total yardage has been fine. It's just been the lack of touchdowns, so I think he's interesting. Um, DeAndre Washington, I think, is worth mentioning. I don't think he's a must-play on FanDuel at 5600 bucks. I mean, I would definitely prioritize Devontae Freeman down there over DeAndre Washington, but you could play Freeman and Washington and you know sort of load up everywhere else. On defense, Washington and Cincinnati at 3800 are really the, the best bets on the cheap end for me. I would like to get to Pittsburgh at 4900 against the Jets or Denver for 5000 against the Lions. Yep, the Redskins and Steelers are my two defenses here, um, and it'll probably be Washington in cash just at that price tag. Um, it, the Giants have been a much better matchup for defenses when Daniel Jones is in the game. An average of 3.8 sacks and 1.7 turnovers per game in Daniel Jones's start. So like Washington as a cheaper play. Then the Steelers, you know, we've talked about them. They've just been so good as a fantasy defense all season. And I love this matchup against the Jets. It's just a major mismatch as far as Pittsburgh's pass rush and the Jets pass blocking. PFF has the Steelers number one in their pass rushing grades, and they have the Jets 27th in pass blocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mismatch there. It's worth mentioning, I think, that we don't really need to fade any defense for ownership here. None is currently projected for double-digit ownership rate, and we got the Patriots on Saturday. 
mm-hmm. which you know takes the primary defense out of the mix. I think one more potentially sneaky one, the Falcons at 4,400 against the Jaguars. If you can't get all the way up to the Steelers or the Broncos at the top of the price range. Yeah, I'm okay with Atlanta. It feels too expensive for them, but I'm sure that'll keep them, you know, basically unowned in tournaments. That's going to do it for this week 16 edition of our FanDuel podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to read all of Kevin's top picks for playing on FanDuel this weekend. Check out our full week 16 rankings, complete with FanDuel dollars per point projections, and mess around with the lineup builder tool. Try to win yourself some money this weekend. Check back Saturday morning to see who Jared and I are playing against each other in round 16 of the Shark Duel in the free post for this podcast. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShoutDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 